Welcome to another edition of TSC Music's Music with a Mission, where our purpose is to perpetuate and promote the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. Occasionally, it's been our, our practice to uh, invite artists into the room and, of course, talk about their music and the stories behind their songs. But today, we've got the TSC Music Band, or at least a portion of them. Uh, and we're delighted to have them in the studio with you. We're so glad that you are joining us as well. So stay tuned. Don't go away. We'll be right back with some of the Times Square Church Music Ministry Band. One of the important things that you and I are going to have to consider for the future is discipleship and mentoring. It's so important. I've been a student of revivals for a good part of my Christian life. And one of the pitfalls of spiritual awakening in any generation is that people come into the kingdom of God and they have a subjective experience with God, but it never translates into proper teaching, proper discipleship, proper understanding, really, of what my life is supposed to look like as a follower of Jesus Christ. Times Square Church is holding six-part teaching on discipleship and mentoring called Authentic Christian Leadership, taught by Dr. Lamar Vest. The sessions will take place once a month on Wednesday nights from May to October. The course is free, but you'll need to register online in order to attend. The sessions will also be streamed live on our website. For more information and to register, visit tscnyc.org. It is imperative that we teach people how to walk with God through Jesus Christ and to be active, vibrant witnesses for Christ in our generation. That's what this is all about. It's not just an accumulation of knowledge, but it comes from a man with a passionate heart to see the church of Christ be the church in our generation. The adult and youth praise choirs are just two of the many ministries that make up TSC Music. We're also looking for volunteers in other areas of music ministry. Are you a musician, an actor or singer, a video editor or an audio engineer? Perhaps you're great at learning song lyrics and quick on the computer, then projection ministry could be the place for you. Or maybe you enjoy meeting new people and talking with them about music. Then you'd fit right in with our sales team. If you're a music lover looking to find your place to serve, we invite you to apply online. Visit the website tscnyc.org and click on Get Involved. see a tremendous loss of much of what we've held dear in this country and people are going to be somewhat afraid of their future it's so important that we be prepared for the days that are coming upon us in order to receive the life-giving power from the Spirit of Christ sometimes we need to go through certain things so that we will not be moved or shaken when unexpected circumstances in our lives arise. Now there is a preparation time so that in the future when things fall apart, um, I can't stand, I can't be unshakable. Unshakable was not about how unshakable I could be, but about the fact that it is the same God who was not unshakable, who's been unshakable through eternity. 
and will continue to be unshakable until the day I see his face. I'm starting to try to not complain in the midst of my trial and suffering and to understand the concept that God has counted me worthy of suffering for his glory. This book kind of refocuses everything and it just reminds you again that we are in a battle but at the end of this battle we win. Read Unshakable if you're disheartened in the way you feel society is headed. Um, it'll give you encouragement um, to draw from it uh, a strength to get through and also be a strength for others. In my heart it's about getting the message out and that people are ready for the days that are coming. It's only in Christ that we can be unshakable in the coming season. Order your copy of Unshakable by Carter Conlon at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, CBD.com, or TSCNYC.org. All royalties from the sale of this book will go into a fund for the alleviation of human suffering. While in my clothes, I don't use anything but Nature's Bounty Soap Detergent. If you're having trouble sleeping, you just might need a Cloud Nine mattress. Tired of searching the airwaves for something meaningful to listen to these days? Well, on 570 AM, Times Square Church meets every Sunday night from 6 to 7.30, right in the comfort of your own living room. You will be blessed with preaching from God's Word, worship with the Times Square Church Choir, and awesome testimonies of lives that have been changed and are now being used for God's glory. So come and join us every Sunday night from 6 to 7.30 p.m. on 570 AM. We also stream live on the web at tscnyc.org. And we're back, and we are in the studio today with some of the musicians from Times Square Church. I'm Greg Thomas, your host, and of course, to my right, good friend and brother, guitarist, Alex Stevens is here. Hello. And right across from me is that infamous bass player, <laughs> Patrick A. We're going to call him Patrick A. He's going to pronounce his name very slowly and spell it backwards for us a little later in the podcast. <laughs> hey, Patrick. Hello, hello. <laughs> and right next to him, our brass man, dad, husband, father, uh, <laughs> Andrew Hoglin on the horn. Hello. And right next to him, he didn't know he was going to be here today. We just grabbed him. Actually, we didn't grab him. He showed up unannounced, so we grabbed him. <laughs> but we love him. He's a blessing to us and a great pair of hands on the keyboards with us today, Brother Chris Cruz. What's up? What's up? And right next to him, <laughs> familiar face, familiar voice. You hear him all the time. Clankety, clank, clank, and a shankety, shank, shank. That's Harry Vaughn. <laughs> I'm not a career criminal with the shakey shake shake. I'm a drummer. We are going to have a little fun today, but we're going to be serious as well because there's so much to what the Lord's called us to do. And though we like to laugh and, and have a good time, we do not take this uh, uh, lightly. Let me read Psalm 150, King James Version. Everybody knows this. Praise you the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that have breath 
Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And we are in the studio today, and we've got breath. Yes. yes. And uh, <laughs> we are going to praise the Lord together. But you guys are here, and we're glad to have you. Today we're going to talk about instrument families. This is for our our instrumentalists who are part of our listening audience, and for those of you who uh, perhaps have an interest in becoming an, instru- an instrumentalist, uh, or you just wanted to know a little bit more about this monstrosity of a bass guitar that carry that uh, Patrick carries, and this red funkadelic. Uh, uh, <laughs> Fender Stratocaster. <laughs> Fender that, that Alec plays. Uh, I said Funkadelic, but it really has no real Funkadelic color. So. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, this silver tone trumpet that uh, Andrew plays and the mute that's in the bottom of it. So we're going to get into the, some of the technical about all this. And we're going to also get into the spiritual because we can't just talk about this stuff and not talk about how it applies to what we do on a weekly basis here in Times Square Church, but of course in churches around the country. And then of course we're going to get into some keyboarding and some percussion and uh, drums as well. So, uh, Alec, I'm going to start with you because you you are, are I'm going to say the senior musician here. And I only say that because we all have more hair than you. That's that's the only reason. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that's, the, that's the only reason. Sometimes the tide goes in, it goes out, and doesn't come back. So one day. You, you've been that's on the cool. podcast as a special guest before, so you're not new to us, of course, and uh, you've been here for years. Um, and you've played guitar for years. How, how'd you start? Real quick, just give them a quick... I have two older brothers, and they both play guitar. And obviously, growing up, I was like, oh, I want to do that. So uh, I did. You did? I was 13 when I got my first guitar and acoustic. Cool. Uh, Are they still playing, by the way? Uh, Yes, they do. Yeah. Are they walking with the Lord, or are they? Oh, the oldest one is. uh, The next one we're praying for. Okay. All right. Now, you've been playing here... For how long? Because I know in the three past, years, Easter, the, right? You've sang in the choir before. Yes, for uh, almost two years. Took a little season off of that. Came back. I was in other ministries here, like the Raven Truck and mm-hmm. and so on. The drama team leading worship and Bible studies, different outreaches. But here with the choir, this Easter Sunday has been my third anniversary. Wow, awesome! And what people don't know about you, a lot of people, especially our listening audience, don't realize that you are an artist, like a fine artist, mm-hmm. uh, as much as a guitarist. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I've been drawing before I could talk or make music, so that uh, was something that the Lord gave me. And I used to illustrate for the New York Times and New York or different magazines, and I publish Christian comics now, you know, in addition to teaching college art. So I have had fine art training, but I've worked as an illustrator primarily. Awesome. Now, one of the stringed families, first of all, we're going to talk about these four instrument families for those of you who are listening. And we're going to talk about the string family, the brass family, the woodwind family, and the percussion family. Uh, and Alec, and next to you is Patrick, who is on bass, are playing string instruments. Um, uh, and of course, you, you, you look at these guitars and you already know that these are stringed instruments uh, from the string, string family uh from your heart, from your own experience, Alec, tell, tell our audience what the string instrument is and what it means to you. Well, um, I mean, I play both acoustic and electric, but here at church I'm playing just the electric. So for me, uh, it's, a, it's almost like a direct line to the heart. I mean, I'm left-handed. It doesn't matter I play right-handed, but you're not talking, but you're talking through your instrument, and we're worshiping the Lord. So 
uh, there's a lot of music that can express not just feelings but thoughts, and mm-hmm. I think it comes out in all the instruments I hear. Yeah. Now the guitar is obviously a uh, uh, it's a string instrument, but it's a different octave than than the bass, which we'll talk about uh, in a minute. But Patrick's got six strings on his bass. I was playing with a bass player, by the way, a few weeks ago who had nine strings. You got to tell me what that's all about, because I guess you can play guitar and bass. On this guitar, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, bass used to be like just four strings, but then with the evolution of music and everything, um, you know, some other bass players uh, started with six first, and now you can see, uh, you know, bass player plays nine strings, yeah. eleven strings. It's it used to crazy. be four. Yeah, yeah. That's how it started. Yeah, that's still my favorite actually. Four strings. So you go from four to to six, and then now nine. Yeah. And uh, I guess having a neck that thick though is it's I guess it's better than having two necks because I've seen some guitarists who have a bass on the bottom, guitar on the top when they want to do both. Is yeah, is that I mean the same feel. Um, I never tried those. You know, bass guitar with two necks. Um, some of them is like you know uh, like. Bass on top, guitar on top. You may. Th- um, I'm a, almost like. I rather have a bass player and a guitar player yeah. than have one sure. guy playing the bass and guitar. Right. So but I don't know. You can't know. play both at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Alec. Uh, the the guitar, six strings. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we're talking on a podcast, so people don't have visuals. So right. when you when you answer some of these questions, you're gonna have to try to be as graphic as possible sure. but uh we're talking a six-string guitar here you said it's a fender this is a fender stratocaster this particular one is a 1962 reissue so it has the old pre-cbs electronics even the old three position switch most current fender uh, strats have a five position switch the position switches give you different tones you know, from bass to middle to highs or in between are the out of phase tones which two and four positions are preferred by electric guitarists um this guitar is, has a maple neck with a rosewood fretboard, and it has metal machine heads at the top, and the strings are, are metal. I play extra light gauge, which are .009, because they allow me to bend, you know, to get a lot of glitz, as they call those. And, and does that help with calluses at all, or...? Oh, you still have to go through it. You know, I mean, it's just like typing. The old school, you type on a manual typewriter, then you can fly on a, on an electric. Remember the old IBM Selectrics yeah. 30 years ago? Well, that was the thing. Well, all right, you chil- <laughs> children. <laughs> anyway, I'll take out an old catalog for you. But, but uh, same thing, if you practice with heavier strings on an acoustic, I find on the electric you can go a lot faster. Just like a runner might have those... Uh, you know, the sandbag weights around the ankles or wrists, and then they take them off for the run, and boom, they're flying. Mm. So same premise. Yeah. What's your opinion? Let me ask you a question, because you just said something that struck a little thought in me, and I want you and Patrick to both handle this. Um, when people think of the string instrument, especially for those who are in orchestra music, they never think about guitar. They, th- they say bass, but they're never really meaning acoustic bass either. What's your thought, your opinion about... Uh, the electric guitar not necessarily being included as part of the quote unquote string instrument, string family. Uh, not being included? You mean being dis- excluded? Not like- excluded, but not talked about. You know what I mean? Well, it's, I mean, in contemporary praise and worship, we see it a lot more, you know, but with uh, contemporary music where it's gone, CCM and, and even stuff before it, like in the Jesus movement, I think we saw a lot. The first electrified Christian music, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, of the '60s and onward. Um, it, when you're talking, when you when you when you hear, and I'm going to use 
proper music or professional music or uh, classical music, <laughs> when you when they speak of the string instrument, they they're usually speaking viola, violin, bass, dulcimer, uh, violin. You know right. those, those types of strings. Yes. They rarely ever say guitar. Or or bass. Well, guitar was like a, a, and I'll let you have your second, Patrick. <laughs> but guitar was like a minstrel instrument. You could travel around. It was very portable, and it wasn't a respected instrument. I, I mean, it, apparently in the orchestra, not until Segovia, the classical guitarist in, of Spain, uh, made it reputable with his fine playing. But the electric guitar is still not part of a proper orchestra. Right. Maybe a jazz combo or big band, they might mm-hmm. let it in there. But uh, traditional classical, you don't see it. Right. I think it has to do with uh, the history of music too, because right. you know, like strings has been like forever. You know, like they've been playing violin and everything for mm-hmm. like I don't know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteenth right. century or something, and the electric guitar and bass is like, um, uh, you know, just like fifty years. The bass is only fifty right. years now. That's interesting because I was yeah. going to get to that. The bass is only fifty years old. That's that's pretty uh, pretty interesting. The electric bass. Yeah, the electric bass. Yeah, right. The electric bass. Right. 50 years. So, you know, prior to that, you got to wonder what jazz really sounded like. It was more upright, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into a little history a little later, but I wanted to throw that out there because I knew you guys uh, uh, knew a little bit uh, about that. Now, the guitar and the bass together are, are an interesting combination. Obviously, they work well together when you've got two people who play well together or two people who play well. <laughs> uh, Patrick, you've got six strings. Patrick, uh, uh, Alec has six strings, What's the difference? Uh, I have a mine is a the lower octave. So now, yeah. is it a direct lower octave than from the guitar? Um, the middle I have six strings, right? So the middle four strings are like the lower octave of his um, top four strings. It's top four. And I have you know two extra strings that I don't really need. But <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's there. <laughs> he has only five fingers on his left hand, so. <laughs> All right, so so the middle four of your bass are the top four of his guitar. Yeah, but lower octave. But a lower octave. Yeah. Now we'll explain octaves later because uh, some people get that, but other others may not. Um, and uh, so the principle of playing bass guitar is what? It's um, it's um, the bass is like the bridge between uh, melodic instruments like guitar, keyboard, uh, piano, and the drummer. So. Um, the bass is more in charge of, uh, you know, rhythm and uh, and me- uh, melody at the same time. So, can the bass be considered, even though it has strings, can it be considered a rhythm instrument? That's a good question. I guess, yeah, yes and no. I mean, yes, because um, um, a lot of new bass players right now play bass with a lot of rhythmic, you know, technique and stuff. I'm not one of them. But a lot of bass players do that. Uh, I think you are one of them. Maybe. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> so, six strings, bass guitar. You were going to say something. No, no oh. I'm just looking at Patrick. I mean, I've heard him slap it fantastically. Oh, yeah, so. yeah. Give us a little bit of bass there. Now, now that's not your typical bass in in America. What, what is that? Where's that from? Uh, that's from uh, my 
country Madagascar. Madagascar. It's like on the other side of Pluto, isn't it? It's Where another it? side of uh, heaven. But typically, when you're playing here, unless you're you're soloing. That's not what you would normally do. No, 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 no. Would you say that what you would normally do is a lot more simpler than that? Probably a little more basic than that, but yes. yet yes. you have a flair when you play in the basic stuff that it makes it not even basic anymore. I mean, I try... Which is a good thing, I and mean, we love it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was worried there. <laughs> this, this might be the last time you hear about Send me up. Um, you know, um, I like to keep it simple too. Uh, uh, as a Christian musician, I always like to, you know, to have in mind that we're supposed to take God's, uh, the audience, the congregation, to God's presence. So mm -hmm. you don't want to distract them with your skills, too. You know. Sure, sure. So yeah, you have to kind of keep it now, basic. Give us the basic, then give us a basic baseline from. In fact, won't you and Patrick, you and Alec, mix yeah. it up on something? Lord, I lift your name on high. He Popular. said mix it up. Yeah. It's not like a, a musical fight. <laughs> <laughs> mix okay. it up. Key of F, Lord, I lift your name on high. What would that sound like with the two of you? How's your volume? Let's check. Yeah, that's cool. This is rhythm, rhythm guitar, right? Okay, that's good. Okay. <laughs> now, that was a pretty, because I can play that. Yeah, anyone can yeah, play yeah, that. Yeah, my, my, my six-year-old can play that. Now, now play it, <laughs> play it Patrick A. style, where Alex's going to give you a little room and a little more bass. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. One, two, three.
And we're back. And going into that break, you heard a little bit of Lord, I Lift Your Name on High, Alex Stevens on guitar, Patrick A. on bass. And uh, man, just mixing it up the second time just added a whole new flair to it. Now, obviously, you can't do all of that all the time when you start layering all the other instruments. You know, if you got keys and organs and stuff like that, you probably wouldn't do as much as you did on the bass. Yeah, yeah. Now, you stuck with a very basic rhythm guitar, mm-hmm. and every now and then you kind of threw in a little, uh, yeah, a few, uh, uh, little, little lead stuff here, there. Yeah, right yeah. there. But, that, but it, it was a good blend. Very good blend. We're going to jump to another uh, instrument family real fast, and then we're going to start mixing this all up and really making it uh, happen. Right across from me in the room, uh, Andrew Hoglin, our very precious brother, trumpet player, uh, who's been on the podcast before, so you're not a stranger nope. uh, here uh, either. When did you first pick up the horn? Um, It must have been when I was around 12 or 13. And you're 18, 19 now? Yeah. Yeah, yep. of course. About. <laughs> <laughs> so 13 seems to be a popular number here because I, I started when I when I was seven, but I actually got my first real position, if you will, when I was 13. So, I mean, that's when I went public. I actually you know. started playing piano. <laughs> really? Uh, my, my mom got me started playing uh, piano when I was five. Ah. Uh, but I grew up in the Salvation Army Church and... Uh, Salvation Army has piano, but it's very famous for its brass. So mm-hmm. once I was recognized as some a kid who had some musical ability, they said stuck a trumpet in my face and said, "Here, play in the band with us." So, right, and I, I loved it. And takes a lot more practice playing trumpet than guitar or, or bass. Um, I wouldn't say what well, it takes as much practice. The thing mm-hmm. with the trumpet, uh, tr- the trumpet is a special instrument in that it's nothing. It's nothing like it's very physical. It's a very right. physical instrument, and it's not like riding a bike. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, trumpet takes constant maintenance. You can't if you step away for three or four days, mm-hmm. you come back and it's just it's just all over. You know what, what makes it so difficult? Because I think people think you just blow into a hole and it just and, happens, right? Um, I I think it's. You know the pressure. You know the the fact that you know the you're not actually just blowing. Right. You're, right. you're not just going. Whoosh, right. Uh, you're actually making a, a buzzing with your lips. So, right. like that is what you're doing into the horn. Do, do it again, because they don't. They probably think you did that in your horn. That was with your lips. That was with my lips. So, yeah. that's what it sounds like, just right on my lips. And then I can just take the mouthpiece, which is the little part that goes right in the end of the horn, which I stick to my face. Mm-hmm. I can do it with that. And, and that then, takes some work. It takes work. It takes yeah, practice. it's just yeah. If you ask any trumpet player, it's just it's a love hate relationship with the nightmare yeah. for a trumpet player. Blister, cold sore, cold sore, yep, fever, yep. runny nose. I yep. mean, that's that's just because you're also having to work out your breathing as well. Yes, is, you said it was very physical. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I mean, yeah, it takes a lot of coordination. You have to coordinate your breath with uh, your muscles. And the muscles of your face, especially around your cheek area, have to be um, positioned in the right way. It's a lot of trumpet is just just like other instruments. It's a lot of muscle memory. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to just train your muscles like like you're a runner, and you do it every day, and you train them, and you condition your muscles here uh, on your face. Um, you know, your breathing in your um, in your chest, in your diaphragm right here. It takes strength, mm-hmm. to, you know, to keep that and. Um, a lot of coordination, your tongue, because the tongue is what actually makes the 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 
difference between the notes. So <laughs> if I just play and just blow, and that, but if I want to break that up, I got to use my tongue. So I, I take my tongue and I hit it to the back of my roof of my mouth. <laughs> It's all that takes coordination and, yeah. you know, practice. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of practice. Sounds great. Thanks. And you've got this brassy-looking, uh, uh, rusty brassy-looking yeah. thing on the floor here. I know what it is. It kind of looks like a uh, genie bottle, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a, this is a mute. Uh, this particular one is called a Harmon mute. So there's many different flavors of mute. Uh, and the whole purpose of a mute is you stick it in the bell to... Uh, keep the trumpet player quiet. Quiet. No. <laughs> but it also adds a whole yeah. other it, it adds vibe it's color. To, yeah, yeah. It's it's all about musical color. So if I play the trumpet with the mute in, it's gonna be You know, Miles Davis made the Harmon mute famous mm-hmm. uh amongst the jazz uh world. So and I, I use it I like to use it during the worship time, especially when it's like a more softer moment mm-hmm. and uh it's kind of in the background and adds a nice uh, touch. Yeah, yeah. When you think of Psalm 150 and you see that one verse that speaks directly to uh, the trumpet, <laughs> the trumpet yeah. what, 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 what does that ring in your spirit? Um, you know, I, I love, I, I love that uh, I can express myself through the trumpet and, and express my worship and my love of Jesus. Um, a lot of times, I, I'm a pretty reserved person in, in some ways, you know, like I come from a culture that's more, you know, like draw attention to yourself a lot. But uh, but yeah, there's times when I want to just scream. I want to shout. I want to dance. And maybe I won't do that outwardly, but I can do that through the trumpet. I can yeah. scream really loud and play really <laughs> high and loud. And that's, I take that as my way to, you know, to express myself and my, my joy and love for Jesus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good thought, uh, Andrew. Thanks for, for sharing that. You know, Memo just joined us. Memo Acevedo. Hello. <laughs> he's a, he's a, uh, uh, the tallest and the youngest uh, of the group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and is, uh, the most handsome and the most humble, too. <laughs> We're going to see after we finish talking here. Uh, educator, musician, been on the road for some years and has been serving here at Times Square Church for a number of years as well. And uh, great percussionist. He's got some toys with him. Gonna, we're going to talk about those in a minute. Um, but we were just going around and we were all sharing um, you know, our different expressions of uh, on how we worship God through the various instruments that are here in Andrew. Uh, uh, shared that uh, you know sometimes he wants to shout and he can't physically do that sometimes when he especially when you're in the band you got to have some kind of discipline and you know stay in your zone yeah. um, but he can shout and and scream and make a joyful noise through the trumpet and of course there are many scriptures that talk about you know worship the Lord on the trumpet or in, on the horn or the cornet um, but we also uh, have scripture that talk about the timber and 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 the you know it doesn't say the drum drum but it it does say the drum, if you know what I mean. We can right. certainly um, uh, translate, if you will, some of that uh, uh, scripture. So y- you've got the stuff with you. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But give us a brief synopsis of who Memo is, our percussionist here at Times Square Church, your background, your aiming, mean, your experience with the Lord, etc. Yeah, I'm Colombian. No. South America. Could anything 
Never not mind. Columbia, South Carolina. I already had one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, my first instrument, believe it or not, was the accordion. The accordion? I told, I told myself to play the accordion. Did you play? I did. Can you still play? Yeah, I guess. So the other day I, I picked up an accordion when I was in Washington State. I was surprised I could still play it with the basses wow. and all that stuff. Got to bring one in. I play lo di do 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 di do I lily I lily I lo. Yeah, we sang that this morning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then um, I went to the movies with my father, and um, in one of, in the news before the movies, in those days we 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 have CNN. Um, I saw uh, they were filming the history of Gene Krupa, and Gene Krupa was one of the most influential drummers from the big band era from the from the 1940s and immediately I knew that I, that's what I wanted to do and the rest is history I got into drums uh, and I was in Colombia and then within six months of and I again told myself because in those days you couldn't go to school it was only the conservatoria to study classical stuff you know so I was a teenager and I started playing at home with the records and six months later Um, a rock band, the most popular rock band in Colombia, in Bogota, knocked on my door and asked me to join. Mm -hmm. I did, and uh, so I, suddenly, after six months of playing drums, I became a rock star, <laughs> a teen <laughs> rock star. But to make a long story short, uh, um, I have lived in five different countries all the time with the music, and um, <clears throat> on the, during the time, between, be, with, um, after, this, after I learned to play uh, accordion, I um I felt the call of God, and I wanted to be a priest. I was a Catholic, and um, I always have a heart for God, really, hungry for Him, and so I wanted to be a priest. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to feel good about myself. Mm. I don't think I wanted to do it because I wanted to convert a lot of people or something like that. At the mm. time, didn't think evangelism or anything like that. Good, huh? But yeah, <laughs> so so I I told my parents. My mother was very very happy. My father was kind of doubtful, but my mother was a very godly mother. Four o'clock in the morning, she was she would be sitting in her in her bed praying for everybody. So um, I get very sentimental. She's with the Lord, but um, later on she understood what it was like to to give your heart to the Lord. She she already understood that, you know, the transition was just easy. She just loved Jesus, and when I told her that she could have a direct relationship with her. Um, with him, <laughs> and then, then uh, she totally understood. But to make a long story short, I ended up in a seminary five years, um, and I was pretty pretty disappointed at the at the life in the seminary. Mm. And um, and then I got out of the secular, and that's when I started playing rock. I mean, fortunately, I gotta say, never really had any any um, desire to smoke and never got into drugs. And that's the reason why when I became saved late, years later, um, at age 30, I, um, I was dealing, struggling, basically. The, you know, I was getting the message from the church that I had to get out of playing for the devil. Basically, I wasn't playing for the devil, but I was playing secular. Mm -hmm. And... And it was very clear to me, uh, I was struggling with that for about maybe the first year after I gave my heart to the Lord, and really, the Holy Spirit really gave me the understanding 
what it was like to have a relationship with him. And uh, one day I was mowing the lawn and I was just praying to God and listening. And I heard the Lord telling me, Memo, who are you? Which is what you just asked me, mm. <laughs> right? And I was really real with myself. And okay, who am I? I'm a musician, you know. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a husband right now. Um, and uh, but I have always been a musician, really, and I will always be a musician, you know. So if you want me to play for the church alone, you just gotta tell me. And it was very clear that I heard from him. It says. You can continue doing what you're doing uh, because basically within the first year, my family started suffering, struggling, struggling financially. I was really the only, um, the sole moneymaker. And I, I started turning down a lot of gigs and, and uh, playing with people and concerts and all that because I just wanted to be playing for God. Mm. And he was just like very clear with me. He says like, you know, I want you to continue playing for the world, and I got the scripture that, you know, we are to be uh, in the world, but not of the world. Mm -hmm. And had me absolute peace about it. And since then, I've been in absolute peace, and it's been very, um, it's been a real blessing. I've been very fortunate to be able to share the gospel with people who would never step in a church. Now, don't take me wrong. I don't go, you know, to joints where I know it's going to be a lot of dangerous spiritually. Mm. You know, and nowadays in my career, that really don't really play clubs, but I play concerts and play with different people mm -hmm. and uh, had the chance. They, they, they just see how you act differently. You know what I mean? Hope I didn't take the whole <laughs> broadcast. No, that's hour. good. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I was a drummer first for about 10 years. And then one time when Santana came out, I started getting really curious about. Cuban percussion and then Brazilian percussion. Then I, my world expanded and it's just whole this white world of a whole door opened up mm. for me to be able to play both instruments and really uh, it's been very, very yeah. helpful. Awesome. So you've been playing 30 something years now? Well, you're 30 About 40 now, years now. So maybe 40. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. 48, you said. 40. Oh, okay, you're 40. Uh, 40 years now. <laughs> I'm only 42. <laughs> percussion and, well, drums and, and, and then percussion. And so, but yes. you work with it, you, now, because a lot of people don't, you know, a lot of these guys in, in, our, in our band have regular secular jobs where they go, you know, Andrew works somewhere else, Alec works somewhere else, and, you know, three of us have the privilege of working here in the, in, in the industry, but... There are many others who have other jobs, and then they come here and serve. You you are one of the few who have a musical job and that you work for a music company. Yeah, well, I, I, I really basically survive as a freelancer mm -hmm. for about 30 years. It's funny, one of the pastors in, in a church way back after I um, said we went to a retreat, and, uh, and he just um, got... You know, a word from the Lord for me is I have a word for, uh, for you from the Lord. And mm. this was a godly, very godly man. And he said, you are to live by faith. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and after he prayed for me and all that, I said, I said, Pastor, you know, I guess, I mean, I, I was born to live by faith because I'm a freelance. I, I don't know how much <laughs> I'm going to make next month. Right. <laughs> now, for the last, uh, um, again, the, to be an educator is a real gift. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I never plan on being an educator, and um, but I love to share 
but I learned when I when I learned something new or the Lord I received something, I want to share it immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's generally my life, you know. You I st- love are you still learning? Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. I take, mean, take us to a commercial on one of these. Uh, yeah. If I uh, if I if I if I go to bed and I have learned anything that day, I know I started dying. <laughs> this is a pandero from Brazil. Music with the mission we just heard from Memo Acevedo on percussion and uh, you know what Sh- tell us what this this <clears throat> drum down here is okay this this will be called toys this okay <laughs> this is called the ocean drum ocean drum now, basically, for, for, our, for our listeners who can't see this, we have to describe this instrument. Okay, and how do you describe that, Harry? Um, I would describe it that it looks like a tambourine without the little metal timbres in it, and it has a head on both sides and a bunch of beads that probably fell off his wife's necklace <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> and, as, and as you move it circularly... You move it carefully and it gives you the the sound of waves. Or you can do... I um, So you got all the toys. That's Yeah, that's but 20 years ago, I was, I was tell, actually telling Gail, my wife, we were watching a documentary on National Geographic and... Uh, and I, um, about 25 years ago or so, I was called by people from National Geographic to do um, 
the music for the documentary. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I would love to get a whole the copy, but I, I, I brought all my toys. It was just a whole floor of, of sounds. This is called the Udu drum, or it's a clay drum with two holes. And it can change. And that's made out of what? Is that wood? It's clay. Not wood. It's clay. Yeah. It's a clay drum. Where's it from? You know what? I don't know. In, 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 in Brazil, they have, they call it Moringa. I would say Middle East, maybe. Okay. Well, we get, you get a lot of toys. We, we, we love to see these toys. <laughs> we, don't, we don't use them all, but it'd be nice to start incorporating some of them. Yuha's here. He's not a stranger to the podcast. He's certainly not a stranger to TSC Music. And we know your story, uh, but you're sitting here without a bass guitar. You started as a young musician as well. I think all of us started pretty early at, at this, this, this music thing. And then uh, we've gone through various stages of our, our, our lives and stages of our, now we're all mar- married except one and uh, <laughs> children except one. Um, one single and available. <laughs> yes, Alex Stevens, by the way, is uh, <laughs> is turning beet red as you speak. <laughs> but uh, you started as a musician. You had to walk away from it for, or at least lay yeah. it down for a little while, because you were on the mission field. Yeah. Well, I actually started uh, my musical beginnings go back to the the violin. Actually, I was I was seven on first grader in elementary school when. Uh, the music teacher in that school, um, I guess, was allotted some funds to start a, an orchestra in our school. And so they were able to give uh, instruments for free. And um, I, I got a violin, and I one day I, I went home, I told my mom, I'm uh, playing the violin. And I got into the orchestra. Everybody got, there was no audition, so oh. you didn't have to have any yeah. talent, you know, <laughs> as long as you were willing to put in the time and, and play. And I loved it. Love, you know, there was maybe 20, 30 kids playing together and uh, learned to read music a little bit. And then I started taking violin lessons. You know, it was all classical. After I, we moved and there was no longer orchestra, uh, I kind of didn't enjoy as much, you know, just practicing by myself because mm-hmm. I had nobody to play with. And so they kind of dried out after maybe four or five years. And then uh, one day, you know, Memo was telling me about his experience going to a movie uh, with his father, and that was what sparked, you know, the the fire in him to start to become a percussionist or a drummer. And for me, it was hearing one song, uh, and I can still remember the song. It was called Rio Funk by Lee Rittenor, and there was a bass player whose name is Marcus Miller playing on that. I had no idea who he mm. was. But the style of his playing just really got through to me. Mm. You know, he was slapping the bass, and right. I'd never heard anything like that. And I, I was like, wow, I want to play like that. And, uh, you know, I didn't have a bass at the time. I had an acoustic guitar, so I started trying to copy, imitate, you know, mm. what he was doing um, on on the bass. And that got, then eventually, you know, I was able to, after getting a summer job, I was able to, to work one summer, and I was maybe 15 and uh, I was able to buy my first bass guitar. And then, um, yeah, long story uh, short, you know, I started doing a, a lot of freelance, uh, freelancing, uh, touring with some bands. Uh, in the beginning, mostly Christian bands. Um, 
one of the first uh, bands, probably the first band, was a, a band that my brother played in that played uh, country western music, um, yeah. Christian country western music. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> so my my brother, who was ten years older of me, he was he was already you know retiring from. He was a bass player also. He was retiring from playing bass. You know, he he went into university and got into other things. So he started handing over to me all of his bands that he didn't have time anymore to play. And that was one of those that I inherited from my brother. Mm. So one day I found myself on the platform in a church playing in a country western band uh, on a bass. And, uh, you know, we started touring and then I I started... um, doing more freelancing and then eventually um, uh, some studio work also for a Christian publisher. There, there weren't too many Christian publishers in, in Finland. So, uh, you know, I, I became kind of their go-to bass player uh, for, for a number of years in Finland. And um, eventually, though, you know, it was an interesting thing in the in the church scene in Finland. You know, most of the music um, that we had in the church was more of the traditional kind of you know hymns, right. and there was wasn't a lot of music in the church that for me was interesting. Mm-hmm. So a lot didn't have bass guitar either. Right? Uh, yeah, most of it didn't. Yeah. You know, some of it did, but but uh, it was for me it was just musically kind of uh, boring. boring. <laughs> So a lot of musicians, what happened, started, you know, doing other things. And that same thing happened to me. I started doing secular music. I did some theater uh, music, uh, musicals and stuff like that. And um, and the other thing that was lacking was a, a total lack of, you know, mentoring uh that would include the, the spiritual mentoring uh in, in, the, in the church music. So a lot of young musicians with some talent, you know, just ended up kind of wondering, yeah, uh, you know, aimlessly here and there, wherever doors would open. Sure, and, uh, sure. And we got to come back to that because yeah. it's a very, very important point. Um, uh, Harry's over here. Harry's been drumming here for over fifteen years. It'll be sixteen this August. Sixteen this August. Yeah. Amen. Numbers chapter eight verses twenty three to twenty five. Somewhere like twenty five years. Yeah. That's a time so ago. you got. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, all of us have come from some uh, experiences and backgrounds, and 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 and, ha- and have had to go through some things. We've played some secular situations and played in the church, and you know. Um, but Harry's been here for for some time. You played before here, where? Um, before I I was here, I was um at my old church, Mount Nebo Baptist Church. Um, oh yeah, where I, I met heard of that. Greg <laughs> Lamont Thomas and uh. I was there for, I don't know how many years I was there, maybe 12 or 15 years. And, uh, yeah, because yeah, I, I met about, you in 88. It was 88. You had thick sideburns and you was wearing the bell bottoms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had a Had a fade, had a shag, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I started playing drums back... Um, I was probably five or six years old in a storefront church. And the the way I was introduced to drums and some people may laugh when they hear this, but um, I saw an animal on the Muppets going in <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> with, with the blue suit, <laughs> with the blue fuzzy yeah. suit. <laughs> and and he, he was, he was playing his solo and, 
before he went crazy. Now, I, I, I don't go crazy. I'm very subdued and I'm responsible in my drumming. But he was, he was um, I don't know, he was playing the pocket with, with, that, with that little dog and the dude that played the saxophone. Anyway, <laughs> getting off of that. But um, that was kind of my introduction where I was aware that this sound was out there. And um, my very first experience playing drums was uh, completely orchestrated by a guy because I had never played drums. I didn't own any drumsticks. I, you know. I was at my my old storefront church, and they had one of these quartet programs that took place. And the um, after the the program had finished taking place in the afternoon on a Sunday evening, uh, the quartet couldn't take the drum set, so they left it there. And um, at the time, my my godparents were the the pastor and, and the first lady, and we were there and we was hanging out and we was talking, you know, them and my mom. And I, you know, I walked over to the drum set. And asked them if I could play it. And they said, sure. Now, we didn't have sticks, so they broke two church fans up, you know, with the wooden handles and let me play that way. Wow. And at, having never played before, no lessons or anything, I actually sat down and was able to play it. Oh. Like the, the church fan sticks. Can yeah. You, can wow. you sing the rhythm? Oh. Would you play, you remember? I could sing it. It's, I mean, all right, Memo. <laughs> it was just it was more like you know it's very elementary uh, it, but it was a well, start I, I did that in high school you know and you this morning yeah <laughs> they're still playing the same <laughs> that's actually the base the base or the root of what we do here yeah. is boom crack boom boom crack and just yeah. keep it solid you know we can get from point A to point B in a song Without incident. And that's what you call okay. pocket because a lot of people will not know what pocket means. Okay. <laughs> By the way, just out of curiosity, do you know who played the parts for Animal? Who was the drummer? We could find that episode. We're going to find that episode. I say we find that Sesame Street episode. And, uh, yeah, YouTube. We'll find it. In fact, here it is. Amazingly, for so many years, I thought Animal was a real person. <laughs> well, you play like him. <laughs> I used to have hair, hair like him, like you almost do ten see years people ago. Who look like him out here on the streets? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got, yeah. I wouldn't call them animals to their face, but you know, they got they got that quality. 
You know, you know, with all the years of experience in this room, playing an instrument, serving in the church, serving in other areas as a musician, um, you know, we talked earlier about the need to constantly be learning and always growing and always learning uh, our, our, and sharpening our, our craft. How many of you still practice, like, maybe every day? Oh, well, I can't see our hands raised, but right, so pretty Memo, much everybody's Harry, hands is raised. I do. Andrew. Can't say every day, uh, but every week. This is Memo. I do, I do too. When I don't have the chance to get to my studio to practice, I'm still doing something, you know, uh, with my hands or, you yeah. know, at home. So yeah. Oh, definitely. Super important. It's it's important, uh, but for, for me, I don't I don't get to practice. You know, my practice is Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, yeah. Tuesday night, Wednesday night rehearsal, Thursday night rehearsal. That's become my my practice. <laughs> you know, so it's learning all of these new songs and trying to, uh, you know, still keeping my ears sharp when I can't find the music or find the charts, uh, and plucking out parts and 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 so that's become a, another level, if you will, or another style, another kind of practice. Um, but I think we all get it, you know, from time to time. But I mean, like formal training or sitting down and actually going through rudiments and going through scales is another level of practice and um, that everybody needs. But it's hard to get when you're a dad, you're a husband, you've got a full time job. You know, we were talking earlier, um, you know, yesterday, my, my well, Friday, my wife and the kids went out to, to Pennsylvania we have a, to our to her family house out there that that we we can go crash and she went and I was just exhausted I was like not for me not not this weekend you know and uh, but I had the whole house to myself but even still I went in the, in the office and I turned on all of my equipment turned the computer on turned the keyboards on and it's lit up like a like a jet plane man in the dark it's, it's beautiful it's all these <laughs> these green lights and red lights and things are blinking and you got that whew, you hear the fans going and but the whole weekend, I never sat in that room <laughs> to play because there was laundry to do, you know, the yard needed to be tended to. It was just all of that stuff. Uh, you, ever, you ever find a level of frustration there when yeah. you know you want to sit down and get I, it done? I guess it's bringing us, it, it, it's just going back to our roots. Like for me, I learned from one of my, uh, one of my formal, one of my teachers that um, if I'm really enjoying my practice time, I'm mm-hmm. really not practicing. I'm just having fun. Uh, like he right. said that I should always pursue practicing something that I don't know. And it's going to frustrate yeah, me. Yeah, and it, you yeah. You know, to build like. So if I get into the room, like I have a, a keyboard yeah. and I need to practice scales, but mm-hmm. I get so annoyed with myself because I can't play them right, still. Start doing something I else. walk away. I'll you know, walk away, yeah. You know, I make Jubilee some chocolate milk and we may watch uh, <laughs> Veggie Tales or something. I think that's a great point too. That that because I can easily go into my room and 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 jam. You know, just but that's not. I don't really feel that's skill building. Right. It, right. When, and uh, I even heard a musician say once that his goal was to constantly put himself musically in an uncomfortable place mm-hmm. where he's challenged yeah. and this guy was like top of the game type of musician and and for him it was always like well what can i do to put myself in a place where i'm still learning like mm-hmm. you were talking about earlier where, because th- there's always skills to be learned there's always something to be practiced yeah yeah, yeah. No, that's key that's very very key in fact it's one of those things you know you think about it yeah but it takes somebody else to say it and you you kind of wrestle it to the ground you know because even for me as much as I would love to sit and start practicing other things, and it's so funny because with the with the advent of the internet and videos and things of that nature, there's so much to learn. 
Um, but you can get so pocketed in your pocket, if you will, <laughs> you know, your, 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 your zone, because this is what you do. You don't do any, you know, outside of here, I don't do a whole lot. I, there was a time when, you know, because for me, my secular was, believe it or not, weddings and funerals. <laughs> That's all I did. You know, as a freelance musician, I was at a wedding every weekend. I, I, I made a decent penny <laughs> as a freelance musician just doing weddings. And so I had to learn all of the love songs and all the ballads and all of the processionals and all the recessionals and uh, all of the chants and all of the prayer responses from different, because I, you know, I would do weddings at different churches and different denominations. And so some of their weddings would call for a prayer chant or a call and response. Have you ever done a bar, uh, bar mitzvah? Is it a bar mitzvah? I didn't mitzvah? do a bar mitzvah yeah. wedding, but I did a bar mitzvah reception. If, if, for lack of a better term, it was a <laughs> wedding, but then there was a, I, I did a wedding between a Jew and a, and a, uh, um, uh, oh, um, I won't call the names, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and man, was that interesting. <laughs> oh, it was so mixed. It was like, uh, it was like a, it was like putting a KKK in a room with a, uh, Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that's how diverse. In fact, it it even got that tense <laughs> because the families were just not having it. Wow, they weren't having it. It was pretty pretty interesting. So, how, what are you saying, ribbon in the sky? Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but that's what uh, that was my bread and butter outside of the church. But then yeah. in the church, it became so easy for me. It became second nature for me to walk into a church and just do what they do because I knew church well. I knew all of the church choruses. I knew the denominations. I knew. I knew how the church operated. I knew the Catholic church. I knew the Presbyterian church. I knew the Baptist church. I, so that's what I did. And as a freelance musician, I think I did more churches and more denominations and more circles uh, than I did anything else. And so there was always work. There was always something to do. But weddings and, and, and funerals, believe it or not, were because you could get called as a musician to play for a funeral, especially in the inner city. And you didn't have to know anybody. It was just like they just wanted music, you know? Wow. Yeah. Um, as as Christians we are that we are uh, my approach to practice is, is totally different now mm. like um, I know I need to pray to the Lord to, because there's so much to practice mm. I mean you gotta realize I play the drum set and I play Cuban percussion Brazilian percussion Colombian percussion music all over they're not all the same not at the same time okay. <laughs> no, I mean but, they're not all the same stylistic. Oh no, they're not. No, some people will say, "Well, that's all the same." Yeah, no, no, it's no. like saying, "Never mind." I have so much to <laughs> practice that I have to ask the Lord, "What should I practice today?" Yeah. Uh huh. Now, the one thing that I have uh, discovered about about music, the the creative gift that God has given us, is so important to invest on it. Um, music and your instrument uh, is so grateful. Or, or, you know, it responds as much as you do. Like, for example, there's hardly any time when I really go and concentrate and, and, and pray and practice that I don't come up with something new. A beat or a new lick. Um, mm -hmm. But, I, and I realize how grateful music is when you put into it. Now, um, that, that um, terminology of use it or lose it is, mm -hmm. so, is so true. Mm. Because again, I hear the frustration that 
you know, when you start when you start practicing, then you start realizing how much more practice you need, mm-hmm. and and that's when you realize how little you know, <laughs> you know. So you just have to really uh, deal with that psychological or mental yeah, yeah. type of thing. Yeah, we're gonna take another break. Come back. We're talking about educating ourselves, but then we're gonna come back and talk about how we educate others because all of us should be pouring into others. Right after this break, right here on TSC Music with a mission. Conversation gets livelier in the break. <laughs> we come back to the mic and everybody's like, "Duh," you know. <laughs> but we we went to break and we were talking about edu- uh, um, sharpening our skills and the need for constantly learning and practicing. Um, I have one thing I'd like to say about mm-hmm. practice, and and this kind of goes in tied in ties into others is that um, one, one common thing I heard here was that. The idea that we started young and practiced, and and now we all find it hard sometimes to practice mm-hmm. uh, the, and to having the time. And I think that's the real. Uh, if there's any sort of advice we can give, would be that because there's a lot of times when I'm practicing or playing, I'm just like, man, I wish I would have. Yeah. I wish I would have. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. if if it's if you're young, it's like, man, you know, practice invest the now. time now because <laughs> when you become 35 and 45 and you're a dad and you got a job and you're you're working you're not going to have that time even if you are a professional musician mm-hmm. because you're going to be so busy that yeah. you don't have like for me my practice is maintenance it's just enough to be able so I have the strength to play Sunday morning service right that's wow. it wow and Harry's shaking his head cuz oh, I like that the, um, <laughs> the maintenance thing yeah so when we're talking about pouring into another generation or some of the younger musicians who might be listening to this podcast or, or not necessarily younger, but, you know, not so young who are just starting later, you know, is to invest as much time as possible, especially now that you have it. If you don't have a wife at home or if you don't have children at home and not that they're the bad guys, we don't want to make them sound like, you no, know, the, yeah. they're the practice wreckers of the, <laughs> you know, but but they are our responsibility. 
And we do have responsibility to our children and to our homes and uh, to our wives. And so you don't get that kind of extra time necessarily, especially if you're working a full-time job and your full-time job is not your music. You know, you, you have to be able to find you know, that time in the, in the day to um, to have some real structured and um, uh, beneficial uh, rehearsal time. I know I want it. I know I need it. And um, but I think like you, my practice right now is maintenance. It's maintenance. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of maintaining and um, and and still growing in that I'm expanding my musical I'm still expanding my musical world. Mm-hmm. I'm still listening to a lot of different things. And a lot of the things that I grew up listening to, um, I'm still holding on to some of that, too, because I think, you know, what goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. And so that's not go- it's not going to ever be obsolete. Uh, but also making sure that this next generation realizes that there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. You know, this every chord that could be played has already been played. You just got to find out how to use it and what you're doing. And not all of them work for for the style of music that uh, you might be uh, uh, playing right now. So, But there's nothing new. Nobody's going to come out tomorrow with this new chord and all of a sudden there's a new book mm-hmm. that says, hey, all new chords are based on you know these five notes. We've already done all of that. How much of that can we actually use in the area that we are serving? Yeah, I wanted to add to uh, what Andrew said. Like A lot of young people... They need to practice, but the problem is, like, for example, I used to feel very proud about having learned on my own. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm older, I go like, man, I wish I would have had somebody who had some mileage mm-hmm. in music to help me, to yeah. guide me. And the, the, the whole secret is not to go to, the, to, to your studio to practice. You need to, you need to really make a plan, need to know how to practice. You have to be, you have to be methodic. About well, it, you but you need guidance. Yeah, you need yeah but you student. need a guy, somebody yeah. who guide you and tell you, look, this is the best way. You know, this yeah. is the way we we'll get in yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> well, I guess what Jesus said. He says, you know, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You know, that means to become a student of me. And I think sometimes we think that because I'm practicing, I'm a student. No, because you're practicing, you're just practicing. But you also need to become a student of somebody. Timothy had to be a student of Paul. You know what I mean? The disciples were students of Jesus Christ. We are. And it's constantly learning of him and constantly being students. And so I think that's where we miss. Because I wish I had a teacher who would come along and just say, let me just pour into you. My experience has primarily come from going to church and watching other musicians. You know, there was one or two who say, yeah, let me show you a couple of things. But I wasn't a student very long. And, uh, and I think that's something that's very key, too. One of the things I, you know, when I when I do get a chance to share with uh, some of the younger people is, I mean, first, I do speak about the technical things, but also, you know, their attitudes mm-hmm. and how they approach a playing uh, environment or situation. I mean, playing in the world is one thing, but playing here for worship if they're looking for that flash or that that solo you know i just let them know it ain't gonna come and if it does come it's coming your way for a purpose to mm-hmm. edify right right you know exactly. so you know it's it's just the it's that yeah to, you know to glorify the lord or, you know or to support the lyrical content because mm-hmm. faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god mm-hmm. You you did a podcast. Songs don't save, so exactly. you can keep a lot of those chops to yourself. Right? <laughs> it gonna help nobody. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you know, so you know, I, I share that. Yeah, that's no, very important. Very important. I, I find it ironic that for many of us who haven't been students for a good part of our adult lives, you know, are now being used in a teacher capacity. There's always something to. 
to learn, but then there's always something to give. What's your perspective as a as a teacher? Because Alec, you are an educator. Yes. Uh, what's I mean, your perspective? I mean, as I'm a, a teacher, teacher, college out for 21 years, but I, just in doing that, it crystallizes your thinking. Because as you explain to others how things work, you're like, wait a minute, you know, this makes more sense to me too now, you yeah. know, and I'm the one. And it's true in any field, you know, whether you're sharing the scriptures, you're going through Bible study, or, or music's we're talking about. It's going to cause you to really bring to the fore and into uh, an intelligent understanding of something, not just intuitive. Because there are a lot of times we do things because we feel it in our gut, but to articulate it, to explain it to someone else, why this works or why it doesn't, or why we feel that way, respond to certain sounds a certain way, certain chords, minor and major, you know, how... Uh, to articulate it gives you a better understanding too. Yeah, I had a teacher in, in, in college who would uh, often ask, you know, somebody. He would throw out a rhetor- not a rhetorical question, but he would throw out a question, and if you raised your hand and gave the correct answer, he would often come back and say, "Now explain it," because just because you know the answer doesn't mean you under- you fully understand the theory that you have even mm-hmm. applied it for that matter. I can tell you two plus two is four. I'd be absolutely correct. But if you ask me, then, well, explain it. Because if you know 2 plus 2 is 4, you can explain it. And that's a lot like all of our teachings and like all of our learning. You know, it's one thing to learn that 2 plus 2 is 4. But tell me why 2 plus 2 is 4. And see, everybody's thinking, what's 2, well, <laughs> why I, is two I, plus 2 I, is 4? I, I can now tell that's you why. A, <laughs> well, I think it's something interesting is, is, is how... That really relates to music. That that really relates to exactly. music because, you know, when you start out, you know, you, sometimes you are just memorizing the licks that yes. you hear. Right. But then as you go along, you're figuring out, well, what is the harmony and the melody and the theory right. behind what it is I'm actually playing, right. and that's what opens up the whole new world to you. Exactly. And then if you, when you really understand those fun, fundamentals, it's the same with like Bibles, you know, the Bible, studying the Bible. When once you, you can, you can read the, the you know, cursory, take some scripture out yeah. of here and there. But the more you dig, get into the original language, right. get into reading the Bible in context and books, and and the more you go deeper, the better your understanding of yeah. of that is going to be. I think it applies. And there are a well, lot of musicians who know how to play a lot of things but don't know what they're playing. Right, right. Yeah, one of the things that I have really um, found out um, in my success as an educator is the fact that I taught myself and I knew the difficulties. Now, my job now is to show you how to do it the easy way. Mm -hmm. I used to say, you know, I used to, uh, I eliminated this language from my teaching. Um, I would, take the student on levels and levels, and then we would come to a stronger and harder level. And I would say, well, this, I'm talking about beats. This kind of beat is, is, is kind of tough. It's a little difficult. Mm-hmm. Then I realize I'm limiting him. I'm telling him this is difficult. Right. He's already registering. This is difficult. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Since I stop using that, I just they, they just assimilate what I show them. It's incredible what they are capable of. Mm-hmm. Of grasping, I'm a, I remember starting um, a, a young student off with with difficult rudiments because mm-hmm. he didn't know that it was supposed to be difficult, <laughs> you know, as opposed to giving him the you know the 
the mama, daddy, mama, daddy, mama, daddy. I uh-huh. gave him like, and I was like, yeah, so you got to learn that just to see if he could do it. And you know what? He was able to do it because he had no idea that he shouldn't have been able to do it. So you have some students who just naturally gravitate to the difficult thing. But the flip side, he couldn't play mama, daddy. Right. And that's, and that's what I'm finding, though, with even today's musicians, especially a lot of keyboardists who, in, in the church in particular, who can play rings around. I mean, they got all the jazz progressions and stuff, but you sit down and say, okay, play, play Amazing Grace. And they can't play the song simply enough for you to recognize it because it's full of a bunch of additional progressions and alterations and et cetera that they don't know simplicity. And a lot of times what you do as a solo musician, you absolutely cannot do in the context of a band. And I think musicianship is another thing that a lot of um, musicians need to learn. They need to learn how to play with the big picture. Now, granted, if everybody's playing and everybody's jamming and they've got everybody's doing something big, then you got a really big, big, sometimes a really big mess, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, but there are, for the most part, these, these situations in, in musicianship where less is more. And and learning to stay, we what you know. I, I like to say, stay in your place or find your place and stay in it. Where the spectrum of musicianship, the spectrum of all of the percussion, the drums, the horns, the guitars, the bass, the keys, all of that has its place. Everybody knows their place, and they're willing to stay in it. When it's time to shine, everybody else pulls back and say, "Okay, blow your trumpet," and you can do all of your extra stuff. So. When we're pouring into uh, uh, other musicians, and I think it's part of our requirement as we get older, because here's the deal, we may not be able to do this for the rest of our lives. <laughs> you know, granted, if we are, praise God, but but if we're, even if we're not, I mean, and even if we are, we should be pouring into the next generation and training up the next group so that, you know, if you're not even having time to practice, there's going to come a time when you're not going to have time to be here all the time. Right. You know, so I expect this time in three years for Ethan to be playing (laughs) something, you know, (laughs) but all of us, we've got children. So we're pouring into them. You memo talked about not working with Jacqueline until she was what in her early teens or late teens, early twenties, early twenties. Yeah. Uh, But look at her. I mean, and I've watched her. I mean, I've seen, we've all seen her. We've seen her become an incredible musician and to where she can sit in and we don't even know memo's not here. I'm sorry to tell you. But yeah, she's yeah. she's better than you. No, no, her, le- no her, her, le- her level of sound is is incredible. I have to I, I have to wear earplugs when she's playing congas now. <laughs> she sounds louder than Harry. <laughs> I like the fact that she tap dances every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> she, she don't feel like playing. Oh yeah, she well she's she's been a dancer all her life. Uh, but the one thing that I um, I grasp it brought me to a point. What you were saying earlier. It brought me to a point, uh, Greg, and it is that we need to learn to integrate. Mm. We, we, I mean, as a band, mm. you know, we do integrate. We have to really uh, be a, a receptacle, or but we have these two ears like satellites as to, you know, what the horns are doing. In my case, what the horns are doing. I'm, I'm basically uh, backing up Harry as a, uh, as a drum set, player who's laying down the beat uh, to m- be very aware of not getting in his way. The fact that I play drum set too, it really helps me a lot. Because mm. I know when he's going to do a fill. I really know. So if he's going to do a fill and I want to do a fill at the same time, I got to make sure, okay, where is the little hole or space where I can do 
ting tong without getting on the way. <laughs> then I'm listening to you and and and, and your you know the harmony. Now we have many keyboards in, mm -hmm. in the band, right? But also I I hear the horns because there are certain things in my job as a percussionist, especially with the timbales where I can really support the horns figures pa 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 and make it stronger. Yep. The well, other what area is so spontaneous. Wait, did you go pop pop doing a prayer earlier this morning? <laughs> <laughs> Shooting. The, the prayer this morning was that like, one of the bongo heads splitting. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sounded like a like a gunshot. Oh yeah. But I think what happens here is so unique, and this is why I cherish what we have is that you know, and most people don't realize this that we don't rehearse as a band as often as people think we do. In fact. Right. We, yeah. we rehearse once a month. Maybe. Yeah. Let me tell you. Let, Greg, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this here. <laughs> I joined. I know. I joined. <laughs> I joined the band. I gotta tell. You, uh -huh. I joined the band seven years ago. Okay, and then I knew that this band sounded good because of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. I have rehearsed with bands that play A, B, and C places, the top, and mm -hmm. all that stuff, and you and they rehearse eight hours, and everything has to be perfect. And I come here, and I go like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, we we don't rehearse for our listeners. You 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 know you're getting. This is classified information, technically, you know. <laughs> well, there are a lot of people praying. We have intercessors. Yeah. <laughs> but because we don't rehearse on a regular basis, and, you know, we get together once a month, and even then, we've already sent you some music, or we sent you a link to uh, a YouTube page or something. Uh, but then we come together for, what, one hour? One hour on a Sunday and say, okay, let's run through it. And when we get it, we get it. Yeah. But a lot of times on the platform, in fact, 99.9% .9 of the time, we're no longer even reading the chart because, you, especially during the worship, you're not reading anything. It's yeah. all, you know, you just follow the leader. And so you've got to not only be able to read, but you've got to have an incredible ear and an incredible sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, to what he is doing at yes. any given time here. And that's what I love about this is because it really does get us out of the way yeah. and allows him to lead. I yeah. love that. And, yeah. and if we can instill that into this next generation of musicians, you know, it's important, especially in the body of Christ, that you learn to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit first. And you can bring all your chops with you, you know, but mm -hmm. follow the Holy Spirit. And as you do that, the musicianship that comes out of that, uh, I think, is what we are experiencing because, uh, you know, on a professional level, this would be insane. This mm -hmm. would be uh uh, pretty catastrophic <laughs> trying to bring this many musicians together without ever rehearsing together, mm -hmm. you know. But thank God we're able uh, to do it. And you have sends us charts, and we yes. look at them, and then we say, "All right, I got this." <laughs> <laughs> and then we all we edit it on the fly, you know, and just uh, and, and things yeah. just kind of happen. One of the things that is um, I find very important uh, is the little times of study and preparation. Uh, when I was teaching at New York University. And before the college in Canada uh, had ensembles, and my I would give them the music for them to learn it. I didn't want them to learn the music right on the on the on the hour of, mm -hmm. of teaching. And so, um, one thing: if I'm gonna be playing and I have to read music, that's taking away from me my concentration about worshiping God, mm -hmm. because my concentration is on playing the right notes. Yeah. So what I do is I try to, I look at the chart, I understand, we have to understand that the, the chart has two verses and a bridge and, and a verse, and we call it A-A-B-A, mm -hmm. or it could be a verse, a bridge, and a, and a verse A-B-A, 
right? So we understand the skeleton of the music. Once we understand that, then I try to memorize the music, and then I decide, okay, what I'm going to play here and there. And, mm -hmm. you know, through the years, I get the experience at, as to what to play. Yeah. But that gives me the freedom to, to, to basically concentrate on worship. And that's a real battle. Mm -hmm. A real battle because, well, for me, I, I was used to play for the world. And basically, I, I, I still play for the world, right? Basically, but when I come to church, it's a complete different story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing regarding what you mentioned about following the leading of the Holy Spirit, and one thing I think is extremely important that I've learned while playing here is that, well, what does that mean? If you have 10 musicians all following the Spirit, mm -hmm. it would be absolute cacophony. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, following the leading of the Holy Spirit is trusting that Greg, who is our leader, or whoever's the worship leader at the time, is being led by the Spirit. Absolutely, yeah. That is me following the leader. Exactly. Me following that person and trusting that God has has is leading that person mm -hmm. is me following the Holy Spirit. It's not me going off and doing my own thing right, right. and and following my own what I think is the Spirit. Because, and I think, man, with musicians, there's going to be so much ego pride and stuff that can come in the midst and and so if you're if you're sitting there playing and and you're doubting that if you're doubting that this person is and can be led by the holy spirit mm -hmm. then then that's gonna that's gonna send it right off the tracks sure, sure. you know and that's important the scary part about that is when you really look at it i guess in depth and not that i'm super deep but if that worship leader or that leader is not following the holy spirit He's guiding all these people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. like what Lucifer did. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and and if you perceive that, you know, then it's the, you know, then it's our job to pray for that person. Yeah. I mean, he, they're still the leader. That mm -hmm. person's still leading us at that moment, and I have to pray. If I feel like that person isn't, you know, and I, I I've never personally encountered that, but I'm just saying, like, it's still my job. Okay, Lord, you know, lead us, guide us, and, and guide them to guide us type sure, of thing, sure. you know. So. Well, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, and right. that's, again, if you are following the leadership that the Lord's placed over us, then we are following the Holy Spirit and believing that we are, yeah. you know, because he calls us to that level of obedience first. Yeah. You know? And I think, uh, I mean, this applies to any area of life in when we're talking about leading of the Holy Spirit, that there can be a moment, even for a deeply spiritual person, where they lose that direction momentarily sure. and then come back to it. So that that's one thing, you know, like that happened to Paul even. He wanted to go to east, eastward, to the far east, but the Spirit of Christ stopped him and right. didn't allow him to go, so he had to stop for a moment. Asia Minor. And then, Asia Minor, and then... Um, he he got a new calling to Macedonia to other direction. I and in worship, you know, sometimes you just have to stop and and hear again the leading to kind of bring you back to back on track. Yeah, I, I like like today today's worship, uh, I guess session. Um, I, I you know I can kind of tell when Greg you know he'll have us stop almost like if he's trying to. If he hears something, he'll just have us either, you know, bring it way down or just completely stop. He'll pedal. Yeah. And then he'll start up again, but he may not bring us all in. It may just be him and percussion or, you know, yeah, yeah. that type of thing, just being sensitive. Yeah. Uh, you, you, what you just said just reminded me of this, of this scripture verse, 1 Corinthians fourteen fifteen. 
Uh, Paul says, what is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Another translation says, I will pray in the spirit, but I will pray with my mind. Mm-hmm. And so there's an intellect, sure. there's an intellectual part of this mm-hmm. that is necessary. Now, obviously, Paul is talking with regards to uh, speaking in tongues and it edifying and it being an interpreter and et cetera. Uh, but it's the same thing. You know, I this body is subject to you know, the Holy Spirit, as long as I will surrender it. Mm-hmm. And so I can bring, I can follow the Holy Spirit and, and be as sensitive as I know to be, but there's still a part of me that's intellectual, that's still working as well. Yeah. That simply says, no, I'm not going to get mm-hmm. ahead of this. Even though I don't feel like this is going the way <laughs> I think it ought to be going, I am called to walk, to, to, to walk behind this. You know what I mean? I'm called yeah. to support this. Mm-hmm. And when we know our roles and when we know what we're called to do, doesn't matter whether I think it's going the way it ought to be going or not. Mm. I'm called to support this. I'm called to, I'm called to accompany this. And, and that's another part I think that a lot of young musicians fail to realize is that, you know, they'll f- a lot of times kind of, you know, do a, uh, a, a, a speed run, jump in the fast lane and try to cut in front of the leader. And no, this is yeah. not going the way you, ought to, you think it ought to be going because you're not the leader. Right. <laughs> period yeah. you know and part of us has to embrace that yeah. but i will pray as he said with the spirit but i will also pray in my mind so in there's so there's, a, there's an intellectual part of us that has to be active yeah. and involved uh in this part of educating in this part of learning in this part of serving uh because we'd like to say that you know we bring nothing god i'm bringing you nothing it's all of it no but you are bringing something yeah and you are responsible for sharpening what you bring mm. You're responsible for uh, bringing it, making sure it's sharp. Hey, and in some cases, bringing it with interest. (laughs) You know, bringing it, giving it back to God with interest. Well, back to quoting Paul in First Corinthians, the Lord said, "Who made you to differ from another?" Yeah, anything we have was God given, whether it's a natural talent or a spiritual gift. And like you said, there was a responsibility to Mm. hone it for God's glory and to edify believers and to challenge the lost. Yeah, yeah, Greg. As a worship leader, what is the main element you look on somebody who wants to come on board to become a member of the band, worship band? Or well, the first one is is always there's always a demand for righteousness, and I I said that before. I, I I'm I'm always looking to see if he or she is walking with the Lord, and I'm going to. And sometimes I will I call it dating, but when I'm interviewing. I'm dating you for a long time. <laughs> you know, there's some there's some people now that I've been dating for several weeks and several months, and and I told them on the first interview, I said, "Listen, you and I are going to date for a long time." <laughs> so, because this shows me the condition of their heart. If they get frustrated with me asking them questions and asking them where they, how they're walking and how they're living and how they're praying, and and, and they, if that frustrates them, if that offends them, then that's a clear indication that this is not somebody I need on the team. You take you. You take your job, your call, I would say it, mm-hmm. I would rephrase, you take your call very seriously. Very seriously, yeah. Because I because I used to be that musician who didn't love God, but played in the church. Oh. I used to be that guy. And, and it was a very, I was in a very dangerous position. We can talk about that in another podcast, but I used to be that guy. So I know how easy it was to hide behind your talent and hide right. behind your gift. And you can probably notify that. You can probably I notice can identify that guy. it <laughs> like a hawk, man. You know, my sensitivity and my spirit has become so attuned to it. But primarily because, like you said earlier, that we wish we had somebody that poured into us. 
Mm. I didn't have anybody that poured into me. The right. doors were just open because I was talented. You follow me? Yep, yep. There was yeah. no demand for righteousness in my life. Right. You know? Right. So now I'm realizing how significant it was because when I gave that to God, and this was 1988, mm-hmm. you know, when I said, okay, this is, there's a whole lot more to this. When I begin to recognize by 1990, uh, I was gone home, man. I was finished. I was done. When I say done, I realized that God was demanding mm. righteousness. So when I met you in 1988, I I was fresh. I was already playing in the church since I was seven, uh, and, or 13 rather. But I, in 1988, had walked away from everything I knew on the on the church side of things. And said, God, it's got to be more. So I had spent two years seeking the Lord, and he brought me to New York City to find him, <laughs> like mm. to really find him, to really surrender. Mm. And by that time, I'm teaching, I'm standing in front of a choir of, of 80 voices, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's, there's a demand for righteousness. And then I will deal with all the other stuff after that. And we all have to. We, we yeah, got to yeah. demand it. And the reality is that's what God demands from us. He demands righteousness from us. And so who are we to not demand it from our brother and sister? And that's, uh, that's another area that, uh, that we, I think, is important for us to mention here. It is the fact that um, you guys in the band, we all pray for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need the support. We know that we need the support yeah. in prayer. Because uh, more than anybody, artists or musicians understand other musicians, you know, and and you understand where you're coming from, what you're dealing with, and that's a very important thing. So we're not only integrated as a band when we are on a platform worshiping, but we're also integrated even when we are apart during the week. Yeah, yeah. On that note, and remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Greg Thomas. Join us again next time on TSC Music with a Mission. Joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope and pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. We also hope you'll join the conversation online because Music with a Mission doesn't end here. So check out TSC Music on Facebook to share your thoughts and get regular updates. Follow us on Twitter at TSC Music Tweet, and don't forget to use the hashtag MWM Podcast. Watch and share videos on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash TSC Music TV. And of course, you can always email us at music at timesquarechurch.org or visit the website tscnyc.org slash music. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music, produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn, and I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco. Coming up next week, we catch up with Times Square Church's own Elder David O'Neill.